This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a butter egg made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st hrn. This week on Meet and 3, we're jumping into a world filled with fizz, iridescence, and deliciousness. We're talking about bubbles. It came from the air gas truck. Yeah, no, I never thought about it before that. And I think it's emerged as a bulbous tea shops, a site of Asian American youth uh, identity building. We're called the invisible industry because these products you don't really see, but they're around us in every way, um, every day. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Why Food, a podcast about entrepreneurs, innovators, and career changers. I'm your lone co-host, Ethan Frisch. Uh, Valerie will be back next week, and my guests and friends and collaborators uh, this week are a couple who I've been really looking forward to having on the podcast for a long time. I have had many fascinating and very insightful and enjoyable conversations with them, and so I think you will really enjoy this one, too. Uh, Suresh Pillai and Carrie Dashow are the founders of Atina Foods in Catskill, New York. Carrie and Suresh, thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right, All thanks, right, Ethan. Thank Let's start with a little bit of a, a little bit of an introduction, some background. What is Atina, and how did you come to start the company? Atina Food, um, the the you know Atina Food, the name Atina uh, is uh, is a kind of a mysterious. Uh, uh, what do you call it? mysterious story? Like, I came to uh, United States, New York, in 2014 June, and I, I was coming from India. And I, uh, Carrie was living in Brooklyn maybe for two decades. So when I came here, uh, the first thing I said, you know, like I was so tired of living in huge metropolitan cities, and I'm because I, I, I mean, I don't want to live in the cities anymore, which we have been talking about it for a long time. So uh, within a month, for various some reason, like we moved to Catskill, the present home where we are now. And the first, when we visited here, the first thing is like the first word that appeared or heard, uh, I, I, I heard in a, in a very distinctly, his name is Athena. Oh, and our place is overlooking the majestic, huge, you know, Manitou Mountains. And there is a huge valley and there is a little, uh, uh, you know, Madonna, the, the Virgin Mary statue. So when this is before we decided to buy this property and the house, so then I they, then we we then on the, in the next few the next two days like I said, Carrie, like we are going to move to this house and there's a word called Athena. It's coming up. That's what it is going to be the name. So then we search the name. What it's strangely Athena is the name of corn mother goddess of the indigenous people. So the corn mother goddess is a very significant in a in a in the story of corn mother goddess is very significant in a sense. The the metaphor of the story is to corn mother goddess save human humanity from the darkness to the light, which is what I also have been following. You know, like uh, in in Ayurvedic tradition, we call uh, you know food is the medicine and medicine is the food, and medicine and food is supposed to bring the bring the you know the the I mean take out the darkness of the mind and the body to the lightness. So I think it is a, 
it's a kind of a, uh, uh, I mean, that that's the kind of the way we met, Kerry and we met uh, uh, quite surprisingly. I mean, we didn't know each other at all. So I was in Pondicherry in the in the eastern coast of India, and 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 Kerry just came there for a presentation of her work. So we've been introduced by a common friend. Then a huge hurricane came, complete devastation, and then Kerry decided to text me, and we decided to meet. And then since then we are together. So it's a kind of a mysterious thing. That's what I could say. We let we let things direct us. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I but love what, it. Suresh, what do we do? What do we do? What do we what's, do? Your, what's your what's your product? <laughs> oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I, that's a very that's beautiful. So, Athena, for you know, I I'm coming from a, a you know a, a food practitioner's family, basically Ayurvedic family, and which I have been a, a cook ever since I can remember. I mean, since I, at the age of five, my the women folk in my in family, my mother and sisters, they have been pushing me to uh, learn all the techniques of cooking, and I have been cooking all the time. So when we came here, when I came here, or when we moved to the Catskill. Being a new migrant, it's very difficult to find a job. And so Carrie was working as an adjunct professor in university there in the city, but she was also traveling up and down. So we thought, like, you know, why can't we use our own little, whatever manual skills we have, and, and what can we try with the, with the land, you know, to live off the land? So that was a kind of an experiment we started. We started cooking uh, cooking food for uh, medicine in a clinically uh, uh, I mean, I mean, for instance, a friend of us, Barbara, she's no more. She was terminally ill with all kinds of cancer. Then her doctor, our friend, recommended that you know I should cook some, you know, some food, nutritional food. So it worked, and then she was alive for two months with my food, and and she was very, you know, she was very happy. So that was the beginning of it. Then many friends here in Catskill and and in in area, they they we have been. Cooking for many friends at the parties, and they said like they encouraged us to but, pursue. Ethan, yeah. shall we just continue? Please, please go for it. So, okay, so then there's this mustard seed. That's the beginning. Okay, the, the beginning. beginning, the beginning of the beginning. After the beginning mm-hmm. is that we planted um, a bunch of different types of mustard seeds. Now we had seeds from India, seeds from the U.S. We had, and this was our first. I think our first year growing food, and and that was part of our whole desire. As Suresh is saying, we didn't want to live in the city anymore. We wanted to be more connected in this way, and so we started our gardens, which have now expanded and expanded. But starts with a mustard seed, as does the Bible say. Start small, the mustard seed. So we planted all these mustard seeds, and we said, shouldn't we be recording where we, <laughs> which mustard seeds are which? But we just did it, and then this. Some of them just got so big, they were like trees, and we could understand that. What is the biblical phrase, Suresh? Um, what does Jesus say? Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, with faith as big as a mustard seed, yes, yes. and and the idea actually, mustard seed is from so much folklore of um, uh, of the Middle East area before that, and I'm sure other places because it. You can just plant this tiny seed as many things, but it grows so big. So with the mustard, it grew so big and we let it go to seed also because we, you know, were less knowledgeable about what we were doing and things just went to seed. But the seeds were these big pods and they look like, um, like pea pods, like, like green beans. 
they look like radish pods. If you're, if those of you who are listening are, are gardeners, um, not like kale seed pods, which is what a typical mustard gives. So there's these gorgeous pods and Suresh started fermenting them. And well, we both started fermenting them. And then he started adding his special spice combination to them. And they were just unbelievable. They were just so good. We just kept eating them and eating them. And then we, we just had so much of this mustard that we just had made so much of it. And we started giving it away. And that's when we started doing farmer's markets. And we started the, somehow the name of the Atina came with a mustard seed and they all became this beautiful, like, this is what, you know, this is the faith. And, um, what's interesting is that we made this beautiful pickle, which was our first pickle. And we have, as you may have guessed, by not writing down where the seeds were, we've lost the original seed. Well, it's coming. It will come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking for the seed. Anyone out there, please, the seed that of a mustard that looks like a radish pod, fat like a radish pod, not thin like a kale. Please let us know. <laughs> we will make it and give you a huge jar if you find it for us. Uh, I would. I've heard this story before and I love it every time because I, there's something so like, uh, I don't know, is it quixotic? Is that the word about your your quest to find the original mustard seed? It, it feels like it has there's so much symbolism tied up in that. I think there really is. And let me just tell you, um, I don't know what it is about mustard, but it is deep in, in our veins. As a um, my favorite Halloween costume um, was when I went as a jar of French's mustard and um, my brother went as ketchup, and that is the beginning of I think my uh, my own condiment um, condiment career. And I mean, speaking of careers, you have both uh, done a lot of other things prior to doing this, and 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 a lot of other kind of entrepreneurial ventures and projects. Um, why don't you, Why don't you each talk a little bit about what you did before Atina and and how those various career paths led you to to this? Sure. I began my career uh, selling modern medicine for multinational companies in the city of Bombay. Door to door. Do, uh, <laughs> doctors to doctors. Uh, <laughs> of course, I, you know, as a medical represent, medical sales representative, I used to promote all you know, like the sell, selling job. That's my first job, uh, and it uh, it exposed me to a whole area. I'm, I was just coming from the university. My first graduation is chemistry, so I was. Uh, you know, I was attracted to this whole, uh, you know, f the pharmacy and the medicinal making because I'm coming from my family background is also same. But four years of selling medicine in a city like Bombay taught me uh, that I sh I should not, I must not continue this profession at all. And I left it forever. I never went back to that profession. <laughs> <laughs> then, then I chose uh, a, a, to become and I did my journal journalism course and I became a print media journalist. And I was the bureau head of a, you know, some leading uh, Malayalam newspapers and, and wrote extensively in, in, in English newspapers in, based in Delhi. Then I, that was like a few years, four or five years that I left that because uh, that was the time like uh, uh, the television was coming up, internet was coming up. So then I turned into a documentary filmmaker. Uh, one of the things which I, I always uh, attracted uh, me and even now uh, still um, I'm attracted is that the, the, the word called migration. Migration is a, a huge word. Uh, migration, uh, I mean, I, I was so attracted in my in early 20s about the migration and all how this migration happened and what is it cutting. Because the migration is particularly important because I come from a place uh, called Kerala, which is the largest exporter of modern 
slaves, I would say slaves to the oil industry like Sri Lanka, like Pakistan or Indonesia, uh, Philippines, you know, the modern labor, the modern la- migrant labor. So I was interested in that. I was trying to find out where this all started. So I went to Caribbean in, uh, to study the, the, the migration of uh, indentured laborers in, 19, in, in the aftermath of the African slavery or African emancipation of African slavery in 1834. So I spent three years in, in South America and Caribbean, uh, basically filming the Indian communities, the Indian, Indians from India, and how they have arrived and how they have adapted to that. While doing the study, what was attracted me is not migration, but how migrant can become a native. Because uh, which I really opened my eyes. Then I, from there, I left uh, the, the 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 documentary filmmaking. Then I went to uh, uh, a, a completely different profession called museum building, community museum building. Because the, the, there are many many thousands of archaeological sites in India which have been vandalized. A friend of mine. Uh, asked me to work on that area, so I have built, set up a couple of uh, community museums, community museums with the with the real participation of the people, uh, local people, and then uh, then I left. Uh, what was the, the the what was the other job I was doing then? Community museum to oh yeah, then I had some teaching assignments. That was the time like I met Carrie. Uh, then I came over to United States, and now I'm so at- now really you have become the migrant who has turning into the native by adapting the foods that are here, just like the people you were talking about and doing documentary films about. Is that right? Well, I, you know, it's a problematic question. Yeah, she's, she's asking the question. <laughs> it's a problematic question. I don't, I don't have a clear answer to this question, but what I feel as a person who, who is still a migrant, but who aspired to be a native. I'm a native of some place. And of course, I was born in Kerala. And I'm, Kerala means it is on the foothills of Western Cuts, the, the richest biodiversity on this planet. And I exposed to the, the whole forest and all the life, right? So mm-hmm. the, 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 like six years, I've been here six years. And in, in this country, I, what I feel more, I mean, I don't know whether, how do I express that? You know, the, the overwhelming dialogue on human identity is about centered around migration, who come from where and where, what, what, what. But it is not about a nativity. But human being as an animal has to live somewhere, has to drink water, eat food, breathe air. So that brings this animal to earth. So why can't, is it possible for us to give another tone for this whole migratory issues? Because every animal, every bird, everybody migrate. Because the planet is like that. But everybody migrate for for some good thing to settle, to get settled. So that get settlement is which is very important for me, native. So in that way, I am a native. Well, I think I mean this would be a good seg. This is also a segue in some ways into what we do here, yeah. which is is about. Um, using food and and plants that grow here and using them in ways that we know from our from our other parts of our lives. So it's really about learning about the land here and and utilizing that, not just bringing things um, from another place that that we're we're remaking. It's really about learning what's here. So um, that is part of the process of understanding the land in which we are and um, and and our business surrounds that and if i um if to go into i'm not going to go deep into my past here because i think um we only have a certain amount of time but um 
something that Suresh and I talk about a lot is the medium is the message. And um, I come from a media arts background. Um, that's quoting from Marshall McLuhan that what it is that you're doing is the message of uh, of what it is you have to say and and how you're saying it um, is is as important as what you're saying. So with what we're doing, it's about the foods and the plants that grow here. That is our message, which is part of this idea of trying to settle, trying to understand the land we're in, the nativity of the land, belonging, um, and um, and 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 recognizing the food, recognizing the things around you, rather than um, than a constant state of travel or or unsettlement. Um, so. That uh, so just as a so my background is in media arts. Um, I was a I've been an artist my whole for for a long time and worked in performance and video. And I also was a professor of of both of those. And both Suresh and I wanted to be out of that space. And I particularly thought about um, the bureaucracy and the um, situations that one gets stuck in the city. And I thought, ah, oh, this this hustling that my mind has gotten so good at, I think it could be put at, to better use um, with the land and understanding how the land works and that that was really more of a sustainable model for my life and body and mind. Though, you know, there's still a lot of bureaucracy if you're in the food business. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I mean along along that train of thought, uh, the, the message as the medium, what's, what message do uh, is the medium of pickling sending, or how did how did you arrive at that style of of food preparation uh, mm-hmm. to build your business around? Wonderful. Uh, that's a, that's a very, that's a very beautiful question. I like that. Uh, you know, uh, one of the foundational teachings of Ayurveda is to locate the food and medicine in the habitat that I live or wherever whoever is living. So it is not about importing sorry, importing and exporting. It is about uh, Increasing the knowledge base, adapting the new technology, technology, how to process it, all these things, uh, uh, all these Ayurvedic knowledge, I mean, knowledge, foundational knowledge has resonance or it's always very similar to Native Americans' teachings also. So is the classical European teaching. So when we look at uh, everywhere, yeah, yeah, everywhere, the, the food as medicine and the preservation of food, the preservation of food is a key factor for a food practitioner. I just finished reading a very important book, um, uh, you know, called Arboretum Borealis. Arboretum Borealis. Borealis. You know, it's written by Diana. Uh, Diana Beresford Kroger. It's a very important book. It, it, she talks about something called a bioplan. Bioplan is the blueprint of all connectivity of life in nature, which means we are talking about uh, the, the every habitat has its own uniqueness, its own food and medicine, and how do we preserve it. For instance, the, we started with a mustard seed. That's where we started. And the, the biggest discovery, uh, uh, you know, for us is uh, the garlic scape. Garlic scape is like uh, the first, the, probably the second plant that we, we, we put it on the ground was garlic scape. Garlic. Let's, just, let's just say what a garlic scape is for a second. Yeah, so, so, um, uh-huh. so a garlic scape is the flowering stem of a hard neck garlic. So it, it grows off of the garlic. So just for those of you who know, then fun, those of you who don't, um, you plant the garlic bulb in the ground in the Northeast. Basically, you plant it around end of October. And then by June, it starts to 
Um, it sends out a shoot right now. It's starting. We can look out our window. We have 2000 of them planted there. It's starting. So it sends out this shoot, this really, and then it ends up getting this really curly, curly, curly shoot with a little flowery garlic at the top. And so you have to cut that off. Consensus says you cut that off. So your garlic will grow bigger so that the plant isn't sending energy in two different directions. So often that's cut off and then maybe it's at the farmer's market for a few weeks and people make some pesto and some people freeze it a little, but there aren't, aren't tons of ways to work with it. One of the reasons is also because it's kind of a pain to work with because it's really curly. Um, but so sometimes farmers just cut it off and or break, snap it off, and let it let it go by the side of the um of the garlic patches. It's just an excess crop, which da da. Yeah, exactly. It is an excess crop, uh, excess crop, and also it is a labor. It is an excess labor on the part of the, the of the farmer because if if it, it, and and it is a waste. So the, what we did, what we tried is like, how do we make use of this as a food? How do we can how can we preserve it? Now, for me, the, in a being coming from a chemistry background, I am. I have been I have been against using excess of vinegar in pickling because vinegar itself is as acid acetic acid. As a student of botany, I know that any any body of a plant has when you cut the body of the plant, an acid acid will come up. So traditional method in India and many parts of the world, almost all over the world, is to cut the vegetables into in the smallest possible size, sprinkle some salt, and put it in in a, in a sealed container in sunlight. In a week or two, you get the pickle, and this process is called lactofermentation, which existed on this planet for thousands of years till the Second World War, when the industrialization of vinegar, which is the huge industry, the industrial vinegarized pickle came up. So we decided that this is, there is also, this is a question of like, uh, the uh, you know, like a uh, Waste, there is a food waste on on site, lack of preservation, a proper lack of preservation. If you want to preserve a, a cucumber, one pound of cucumber is taking nearly half a gallon of vinegar. It doesn't make any sense. And if a, 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 a vinegarized pickle, if the person eat for for a, for a month period, I'm sure I used to sell the medicine. The person is going to develop acid in the stomach, and once you develop the acid, you the, the, they will go to the doctor, and antacid is being prescribed. Once you take an antacid for a, a month, you have to take antibiotic. But if you do this, if you if you eat the salt fermented pickle, there is no then, problem. So you so you have the same craving um, for that sourness that um, we have. A, we have a craving for that sourness, which. Can be can be met with a vinegar or the lacto fermentation, the probiotics, and and that actually helps the bacteria in the gut and the stomach. Yeah, yeah. Again, again, you know, the the, the pickle is lacto fermentation. I mean, in my tradition, where I'm coming from, the Western cults, we have been using in India or in most parts of India, there are three herbs which are generally used for pickling. One is mustard. Again, the first one, mustard is used for its antiseptic properties. It's a, it is it it comes kills all the germs. Mm. It's a proven. And the second one is a fenugreek, the most important herb, which is simultaneously, it acts as a, a fermenting agent like that we use for fermenting, uh, you know, the dough of uh, the dosa or idli, which we have been using it, which in fact, it, it, is, a, it is a knowledge generated through the interaction uh, between the Middle Eastern, uh, the travelers who were coming into the Sinai province in India, fenug so mustard, fenugreek, and third important one, the most the most important one is asafoetida 
I'm sure Ethan knows a lot about it. And and I have tried uh, the few samples of asafoetida that Ethan gave us from Asa- Afghanistan. is amazing. So these three medicinal herbs, along with a little salt, can pepper. Yeah, chili pepper. Pepper, mm-hmm. pepper gives the peppery effect. And of course, it it is always, always... Uh, the, uh, you know, the, 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 again, the pepper is eighth and spray pepper, I would call it, you know, that's a more of the <laughs> finest pepper. Let's pause there for, for two minutes. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based customers into your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier, with no cholesterol, and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also frozen, pre-baked, folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres called Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st hrn. And we're back. You're listening to Why Food. My guests this week are Carrie and Suresh of Atina Foods in Catskill, New York. Um, Suresh, I, I wanted to, to talk a little bit more about Ayurvedic traditions of food and something that we've talked about before, uh, the, the relationship between flavor and health. Um, would, you, would you give us a little bit of background or, or an introduction into how Ayurveda uh, classifies that kind of balance between flavor and health? Sure. I mean, whatever I can. Ayurveda is an ocean. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little uh, insect, you know, who try to understand uh, this huge thousands of years of knowledge. It is it's a, it is a material science it, and ever evolving. And it is a, a, it, it is a system of medicine uh, which has a, 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 a an objective. Unlike the modern medicine doesn't have an objective. Objective is bring the balance of the body, mind, and spirit, which which whatever we call the physical body. Physical, the Ayurveda consider mind as the physical factor, unseen physical aspect of the body, and the spirit is which is a universal aspect. So the the, the Ayurveda objective of the Ayurveda is to bring the balance of the individual with the rest of the universe. Now in this uh, uh, system of medicine. Food play a very key role because the food is the medicine. If any imbalance happening in the body, it could be it can be cured using medicinal food. So the, this is the, the using foundation. Regular food. Regular all food, food is all, medicinal. Yeah, all food are medicinal. Yeah, uh, using the food, regulating the food. I mean, there are various methods, that fasting and many things. So Ayurvedic understanding of uh, food, food, uh, food. generally I will classify food into six categories, six categories of taste. 
Six categories of taste is the combination of five fundamental elements on which this universe is built. The five fundamental elements are beginning with earth, fire, air, air, water, and ether. So these five, the six categories of taste are created by mixing these five fundamental elements. And these five, five fundamental elements are the foundational blocks of this universe. And the six different tastes are, one, the, the most common taste is sweetness. And the second one is bitterness. And the third one is salty. And the fourth one is, uh, the, what is it, lemony, savory, right? Savor? Is uh, it right? Savor? Sour. Sa- sour. And fifth one is... Uh, uh, you, have er- you have an earthy. Yeah. Uh, like a fermented, the fermented the astringent, and, uh-huh. and that is which is the last hot. hot, hot, peppery hot. So these uh, six uh, different tastes are being uh, the the human beings have the inherent ability to understand even that the tongue has six different locations to 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 locate these different things. Carrie did a beautiful drawing when she was doing her treatment in in Ayurveda a couple of years back. So that this six the so the the food practitioner. Uh, the objective of the food practitioner should take care of this. The, what, what, the, the, the most important part is to balance these six different tastes to give a balance. It's, I mean, it's all about balancing. How do we balance hmm. these six different tastes to give a, a complete feeling of food? I, just was, of I was just thinking about how, as you're as you're describing it, how the the chef or the cook is the doctor. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what the Ayurveda consider, and uh, Ayurveda consider a physician, because when you go to an Ayurvedic physician, even today in many parts, the the first thing they ask about uh, you about your stool, about your urine, and physical physically we are trained to look at the stool, the urine, the sweat, and all the body parts. From that, and and the more and the 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 the, the treatment begins with understanding the pulse of the body. So, and the first food, if there is uh, any trouble with the uh, with the body, the first first food I would call food is some a, a warm water with 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 most preferably wild mountain cumin, which Ethan has given. I lo- I fell in love with your cumin, Ethan. <laughs> Thank the, you. <laughs> incredibly great. Uh, so the cumin is the cumin and all the five cumin seeds: cumin, uh, ajwan, and uh, fennel. Caraway and anise. Oh, I'm sorry, not anise. The nice. sixth one, the, the, the thyme, dill, dill. So these five cumin seeds are first. It's called a psychosomatic. It it freshes the mind and then it keeps the body ready so that the physician go can look into the various aspect of. Ayurveda doesn't. Uh, for Ayurveda, everything is food as long as your body can uh, digest. So that is an. So individual. this is so. So if you think about that, then. Um, then the ferments are helping your body digest food better. Mm-hmm. And we're all of our, the condiments that we make, bringing it back to the practical aspect of it, all of them are balancing all of these different tastes in different ways. Totally. So so something like our injipuli, mm-hmm. which is ginger tamarind, um, a ginger tamarind, we call it an herbal jam. Originally, mm-hmm. it's a leham in, mm-hmm. in Ayurveda, is is very evenly balanced between all these six different tastes. And it's so complex, but you can feel it. What's so interesting, especially watching people taste it, is it 
it, it also has time, like not, not the herb time, time. It takes time. So, so you taste part of it and, and you get one taste first, depending on your own palate. And then different tastes come in within a few minutes, even. Um, it, it transforms. And so then this particular um, product that we make um, is also a traditional digestive in South India. And it's used for um, the festival of Onam, which is one of the largest festivals in Kerala, in mm-hmm. Kerala, and it's used before and after the biggest feast, and you feast for ten days. So this food helps you mm-hmm. um, digest all the food better, but it is also part of the flavor, the the taste balance on your tongue that is helping it, including the um, the different herbs and spices that are used. Yeah, one, one more uh, an important factor about Ayurveda and food. Ayurveda recognizes that every single human being has her or his own taste. So there is, when we say universal taste, because every single person is divine and every person has its own or her own taste. So the, when we say, the, the, you know, which goes against the standardization of taste, which is happening in the food industry in the world uh, all over. So the standardization of food uh, uh, is, uh, is, is for the industry to practice. What we are doing, what we are talking about in Jipuli, like each person can taste in Jipuli in their own way. And the second important issue is uh, the second important the second important issue uh, is uh, like uh, before uh, uh, the Ayurveda was banned uh, 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 during the British period from 1854 to, nine, uh, to, to well really up to 1920 uh, the Ayurveda was uh, Ayurveda, the Ayurvedic practice was banned all over the Indian subcontinent. In 1918, when uh, when the plague that same COVID uh, happened in 1918. One of the physicians, very famous physician, an Ayurvedic practitioner for several hundred years, his family goes back to, he came out with this idea of uh, reforming the Ayurvedic practice. The reformation is like this. Before this man called Varya, who who incorporated the modern medicine system where a, a a company is manufacturing Ayurvedic medicine and selling it. Before that, what the, the practice, what the, what the practitioners used, to, what the physician used to do is, if we go to a doctor, the doctor will give a chit of one, two, three for all the ingredient list, and this we have to go to an apothecary buy all the ingredients. We get to go home and make the food and medicine. So this preparation of medicine and food is always a part of preparation of are always a part of human culture. Practically every family will have some kind of tools and equipments at home to make some pickle, make some lehen. And that is the whole culture, which is complete, which is very similar to Native American or African or classical European cultures, Chinese culture. Can I, can I, can I bring, bring it back for a second too with that, that if we get back to the question of the medium is the message, yep. um, we also we we would love for people to make these products themselves. Yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't need to keep making them if you guys can make them. Um, um, but using using things from here. So for instance, like we make a this ginger tamarind. We make a rhubarb version that's with local rhubarb. We grow our own rhubarb. It's actually the first thing that was growing on our property. The, the only thing that was still growing on our property when we got it was rhubarb, and we realized the relation between that and tamarind. Mm-hmm. Um, so both of taste and qualities. Yes, yes, and and so that kind of brings it back to. What is that? What is the message? Yep. I think you can figure it out from there, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we can, we can help coach anyone on how to make it themselves. You want to make your, make your, 
quick pickle. Just take your cucumber, cut it up and put a little salt on it, put a little cover on it, leave it overnight, and you'll have the best pickle by the morning. And then you put fenugreek and yep. you can find some asafoetida mm-hmm. and some uh, um, some spices on there. And, and there you go. So it's it's so possible to, to, to be able to have that within your own range. And that's what we're trying to do with just that it happened to turn into a, a business because it tasted so good. And, and they do taste amazing. I mean, your, your pickles, your products in general are really some of the best things I've, I've tasted on the, on the market. You know, they really taste, uh, they taste homemade, which they are. I mean, they taste like they were made by people who care deeply about what, what they do, which, uh, which is certainly the case. Thank you. <laughs> Um, I, I want to make sure we have some time for uh, some rapid fire questions, but I, before we do, I just wanted to note, I, I, we've, had, we've talked about this kind of concept before, but um, I just think it's so undervalued in the broader conversation around healthy eating. Uh, there's this association with health food being bland, being boring, being not very enticing or, or fun to eat. It's something you force yourself to eat because you think you're supposed to. And and I just I, I love your flavor first approach and and um, and the the effect that flavor can have on your whole system and and your whole approach to, to healthy eating. It's you can definitely forget that you're eating something healthy when you're eating it because <laughs> well, that, that should be part of you know it should be tied in it shouldn't be something other and that's the thing is bring it back it's not other it's here. Yeah. I, I just read a book called uh, Delicious, a brand new book uh, by a, a biologist named Rob Dunn and uh, Monica Sanchez, which talks mm. about sort of the evolution of, of you know, human evolution through the lens of flavor, through the lens of, of people yeah. making choices uh, because of what they like to eat, not just because of what they were supposed to eat or what was easily available. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, the, you know, the organ called nose is a critical organ. Uh, it can... It, 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 the smell is, smell is a very important factor in cooking. I mean, a very simple thing is like the, the roasting of herbs, which I have been telling the, the people here. I mean, showing, see, every time you roast something, as the temperature increases, as the time goes, the smell varies. And from the smell, from a very distant, you can easily make out something is going to burn or something is going, getting mm-hmm. ready or something is ready, you know, good to eat. So this ability to smell, which is a very important factor, it's a, it is it is being impaired by for, for in the, in our present day for various factors. So our idea, our in our, our Athena food food, Athena food is like a, 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 it brings that flavor. The flavor is like all the complex flavor. The person identify what is this, and that is mm-hmm. we are doing it intentionally and mm-hmm. in this larger dimension of uh, cutting off all the smell sensory organs uh, called. Uh, 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 no, so I mean, Carrie has a very good, uh, what do you call it? I have a yeah. really good sense of smell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Olfactory sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a superhero power. Yep. Okay. That's, that's the best superhero power. Um, actually, speaking of which, that's one of the questions that, that we often ask. So let's just start there. Uh, if you could have a superpower, other than your maybe your sense of smell is the one you would want to have, but if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh, wow. wow. That is a very important question, right? Yeah, I mean... Uh, so oh, oh, the question mm-hmm. is, what if what, I have a... If you, what's your, what superhero power do you want to be? Super, yeah, I mean, you know, like, uh, <laughs> so it's some kind of a, you know, a tree like a... Uh, you want to be a tree? Yeah, I, I mean, I love to be a, a tree, uh, you know, which is, which is like, which is, I'm really like uh, thinking about this simple, common uh, tree called uh, fir, F-I-R. Okay, you want to be a fir tree? Yeah, fir tree, because <laughs> from here, I mean, this is beauty of this this. This is the tree which is actually saving the planet now. 
and and because of various factors and yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this woman has written this about this tree so amazing so i was when i after uh, finishing this chapter i said okay i am going to be a fir tree because it can smell uh-huh. it can taste uh-huh. and the which i didn't never knew that the yeah. fir tree can even read the minds of our people uh, minds of human being mm-hmm. and it will adopt in any circumstances even it's a volcanic eruption or flood or whatever whatever again the fir tree will come so which is like a, a which is what it is superhuman or super yeah no, that's great that that's great better. i that's think that, I that's a great i, I mean i was thinking that i wanted to be able to be like splitting time really fast and yours went into this slow or not even really slow. I don't even know. It's a different quantum space. Okay, next question. <laughs> Hope you um, next, next question. Um, what did each of you eat uh, sort of as a regular meal at home, breakfast or lunch when you were kids, when you were growing up? For me, like, uh, you know, our breakfast dishes mainly rice, which is idli, dosa, or, you know, uh, the rice noodles, uh, or puttu is a, is a steam cooked rice with uh, lentils, primarily the, uh, mung beans, uh, or chickpeas, or, or sambar is yellow split peas, which is a primary thing in, 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 in the morning breakfast. Home, we were, we've been vegetarian, so we never used the egg or any meat. And the lunch, lunch is like we are rice eaters. Rice is the very key factor. And like uh, then we have to have one soup uh, to to go with uh, to to go the food is sambar. Then we have at least three or four vegetables cooked in different ways and with a little uh, uh, sweetness. And 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 the, at, at the dinner again, it is rice, but rice not the rice rice, but it is a processed rice with a little bit of a, uh, like a, what called a yogurt dish. That is what. Normally, oh, you have a lighter, lighter dinner, lighter bigger, dinner. bigger lunch. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. right. That's what my food is. Yeah, right. you know, that's much more elaborate than I can remember. I can think about um, just like the highlights: chicken, sloppy joes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, strawberries. Uh, we had seven apple trees. Oh, we yeah, actually, because yeah. we, we had we had a lot of gardens growing up, and we lived on the ocean, so there was some period of time. We're probably we didn't have a lot of money, but but my uh, stepfather uh, was a lot fished for lobster, so we had lobster all the time, and we had bluefish a lot, and apples and pears, and um, and 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 we had a lot of. We did have we did have though we had those little flowers yep. that were sugar mm-hmm. flowers mm-hmm. you put on cake mm-hmm. that was a special thing i got to eat a flower uh, yeah, something which i completely forgot to uh, mention my, in my food a regular food always always fish is an important because we are on the coast fish is always all three times we fish and then we have jackfruit mango pineapple all kinds of fruits yes that's always, always okay okay sorry yes that's our feast <laughs> no I, I i love it i mean it's it's all so good and and south indian breakfasts are some of my i mean just one of the best breakfast uh, menus, cuisines in the world, I think. And I got to say, unfortunately for Suresh, he's a really phenomenal cook. I mean, you may know that, but I got to say, like, he, I like to say sometimes that he can basically make something great out of cardboard. Um, So it's just, he's pretty much of an alchemist with with, um, figuring things out. It's taught me so much about how to be quick and, um, and, and generous in cooking. What's, um, I mean, you've, you've made a lot of pickles over the years and, and I guess for our last rapid fire question, what's the, uh, I don't know, what's the craziest pickle? What's the most ambitious pickle you've ever attempted? Oh, that we've made, the, the ambitious pickle we've made. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. The fennel is crazy. The fennel, okay, 
Okay, the, I get the fennel is so. So we we use. Um, fennel is so amazing because it's it's all over here, you know. And we, people okay. grow it here, and but actually, what's really cool, all of those of you in the West Coast, like California, and you got like fennel growing out your ears, and so it's fennel. Like so we, we ferment the fennel bulbs, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. salt ferment. Duh, no vinegar. That's what like we said, like and like to ferment them, and then mm-hmm. you put seven mm-hmm. aromatic spices. Mm-hmm. Anise, coriander, mm-hmm. ashwan, yeah. cumin, cardamom, cardamom, cinnamon, cinnamon, yeah. ginger. Yep, yeah. cinnamon, dry ginger, and uh, and and asafoetida. Asafoetida. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, then yeah. come on. First, it's fermented. It's got the, the spices, and then we preserve it in sugar. Little sugar, okay. not too much. And sugar. so my voice gets really soft right now because it is like this pickle goes from being salty to sweet or sour to sweet like it changes you just can't even you can't even stop it and figure out what it is and i it, it's so it's great on fish it's great in root vegetable soups but the craziest thing i've ever made with it is a buttercream frosting and putting this fennel pickle in a buttercream frosting you have to whisper and you have to whisper because you start salivating, even just thinking about it. Because the fennel has this dryness also to it mm-hmm. that the butter that the and the pickle is like asking for the liquid, and the buttercream is like like gives it to it. It is insane. So I'm, I'm yeah, pl- a, a fennel I'm, pickle buttercream frosting, you'll yeah. die. Yeah, I'm planning to do uh, you know do some uh, fennel pickle next uh, the coming season with uh, your wild mountain cumin. Amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a five cumin. Basically, the recipe of this fennel pickle came from a very popular Ayurvedic food called pancha jiraga. Pancha jira means five cumin. Pancha jira. Pancha means five. Jiraga means cumin. Fancha jiraga guda. Guda means the cooked extract. But I'm also thinking about cook uh, uh, coming out of the new food, yeah. like a new lehim. Yeah, which is it's crazy. Animal. It's yeah. crazy. And fennel, again, fennel is important because it's a very, 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 very important medicine, which is naturally available. It's available plentiful everywhere. People just can eat. And I got to just also say that sometimes, like sometimes people come up and they're like, I don't like fennel or I don't like mango or I don't like coconut or like whatever it is that anybody thinks that they don't like. And then they try whatever we made out of yeah. it. And it's like a totally different experience. So we're happy to be opening the road up to these these flavors that just like expand yep and and the stories of fennel in all cultures amazing and very beautiful stories about fennel yeah Yeah, that's a Great. And I, I tasted that buttercream frosting a couple of years ago, the fennel, the pickle fennel buttercream frosting at, at a holiday market, I think that we were both at. And it was it was beautiful. I mean, it was just, yeah, an, an incredible combination of flavors. You tasted the Injipuli frosting. Oh, oh all right. I tasted the other <laughs> the other crazy buttercream frosting flavor. It's amazing. And that is just like 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 drop down on your like it's crazy. But then when I was making that last is when I started, tried to do the fennel and I was like, no way. This is like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how buttercream frostings could get. They, they, they're just on their own. Yeah. Well, yeah. where can our listeners find you and follow your work and purchase your incredible pickles and jams? Yeah. Well, they're just going to have to come to our house. Of <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we actually do have a little home store here, but um, our website, atinafoods.com. 
um, is a, is a great place to get everything. We also have mystery jars there too. So, um, there's some listed there, but if you want to be like really courageous, just like, you know, tell us to send you something. Um, you, we've got, um, we do some wonderful collaborations with Burlap and Barrel. Um, we have a new one coming out any second with our Lassoon, um, garlic nut crumble, uh, garlic, peanut, sesame, coconut with, um, bird's eye chili and Kobe. So good. So good. Pepper, it's 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 like it gives you a little like this chill that you didn't know you had, and it's so good to cook with. Um, we we have our a few other websites, shops around here. Um, you can go to our website and find them. Um, yeah. And how about how about social media? Oh yes, we have an Instagram account, um, and that is Atina Foods. We also have Facebook. Um, you can find us there, and we'd love to um, hear your responses to you know why you think that uh, the pickle medium is the message. Mm-hmm. That's, maybe it, maybe that's your new, uh, your new motto, your new tagline. Why yeah. is the pickle medium? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, as, as always, thanks to Armin Spengen, our amazing sound engineer. Thanks to uh, the Red Crickets for our theme song, Blind. You can reach us by email, whyfood at heritageradionetwork.org and on social media at Why Food Podcast. You can reach me via my spice company, Burlap and Barrel, at Burlap and Barrel on Instagram. And you can reach Valerie on Instagram at Foodie in New York. And most of all, thank you, Karen and Suresh, for, for joining me for, as always, uh, another fascinating conversation and really just for opening up uh, this whole topic and, and all of the, everything it touches, which I guess is everything. So thank you for, thank you for joining me. <laughs> so much Ethan that was lots of fun thank you very much talk to you soon see you all next week Bye. bye why food is powered by Simplecast thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.